Hello and welcome back to For the Boys, a podcast for the boys, by the boys. In today's episode, I had the lucky chance to sit down and talk with Stixty617. He is a survivor of sexual abuse, and he was lucky enough to really tell us about his story and some of the difficulties that he had to go through because of being a survivor and also being a male survivor. And this is obviously not an easy topic to talk about, but it's an important one. And without further ado, here was our conversation. How are you? I'm not, I'm not too bad, man. Not too bad. Busy day, you know. It's always a good yeah. thing. Yeah, what'd you do today? I, uh, I made content, and I've been watching a new... You ever see uh, Hannibal, that show that was on TV? Oh, I've always wanted to, but Based I never actually... Silence of the Lambs. It's good, dude. It's got a guy with Asperger's as a, as a main character, but it doesn't play him off as just like, oh, look, he's a guy with autism. You know, and that's the only cool thing about him. Like, he's an interesting character. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's a crime show, right? Yep. Yeah, no. It's, I'm pretty sure just got it to Canadian Netflix recently. I've always uh, wanted to try it out. I just never got around to it. I, like, forget these shows in Canadian, but they make, like, all the good uh, crime dramas in Canada or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm right now watching what's it called? Lucifer. Uh, the new season that got released. And, yeah, that's uh, something I've been mm-hmm. liking. So, yeah, well, welcome here. <laughs> Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Why am I welcoming you? This ain't my show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I basically, I recently just started this podcast out, right? I'm trying to build a safe space for men to be able to talk about their issues and for really to have a place where we don't disregard others' issues because obviously they still exist, but have a safe platform for ours to also exist, you know? So that way there is just more discussion about every issue, you know? That way everything kind of coincides in peace. We need more of that, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of platforms for women to talk about their issues, which is obviously a good thing, but there aren't many platforms for men. And the problem is, is that most of the platforms for men are very toxic and uh, honestly just use men issues as a uh, catalyst to try and like take down, you know, issues that are very relevant to women. Oh, for sure. Or uh, other people, you know? Yeah, and I'm trying to do the exact opposite. I'm like, these issues exactly. do exist, but we, we should also be paying attention to our issues, you know? But both matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's yep. It's a hard it's a hard fight, but I I think it's worth it. Absolutely. I was scrolling through your TikTok and I saw you. Um, you're a survivor of a sexual assault, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when it happened? Two. So it happened two times, probably three, but I I'm not so sure about the first one, and I wouldn't be able to remember it anyways. Um, so I was two years old and like asleep when it happened, but uh. Two times. The first time I was kind of groomed and the other time was kind of more like blatantly just kind of happened by force and I didn't want it to happen. But it's like you don't really know how to react a lot of times in those situations. Right. Could have been a lot worse, but luckily like I got out of the second time. But um, it's interesting. There's not a lot of uh, resources, I feel like, for like uh, male survivors out there. And it's I think the most difficult thing about it is that being a male survivor is not like a widespread issue to the point where it's like a big problem that keeps happening. It's something that doesn't happen a lot, but because of that, you start to feel like you're invisible a lot of times, especially in when a lot of the conversations really don't understand what male survivorship feels like. And so a lot of times you kind of feel invisible. You know what I mean? I totally, no, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I think it's really important that we do really kind of start to 
have more places for men to uh, talk about. Also, that it does happen for men, right? Mm-hmm. At what age did you uh, realize, you know, that you, this was sexual assault and it wasn't just like... I realized it at the ages that it happened pretty much because oh, okay. I, I was a wicked smart kid. Um, when I was being groomed, it's a little more complicated because like I understood it at 14 after it was like done for a couple of weeks. Um, it happened from when I was like 13, 14. The other instance I found out like a few weeks later, my mind kind of works like that. I don't think that's really true for a lot of survivors. A lot of people go through repressing it and kind of denying it. I even have gone through that as much as I like try to accept my story. Part of it still feels like a dream sometimes. And that's because of uh, society's way of like handling uh, sexual abuse and uh, particularly how we handle it in terms of it being like a men's issue. You know, like there's a lot of different nuances to being a male survivor that are a little different than being like, you know, a female survivor, just like, just like it would be different being like a trans survivor of sexual abuse. You know, it's all like, uh, there's a lot of intersectionality because patriarchy affects men and women differently. You know what I mean? So it's kind of unique in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a sad story, honestly. Um, was it always the same? Was it like the same person th- the two times or was it two different people? First time it was like an older person that uh, just kind of like really knew how to get inside my head, you know, because that's kind of just how the whole grooming thing works. Um, I was just a very insecure 13 year old with a lot of problems going on and didn't really feel like I had a safe, like, like a safety net, a support system. So this person kind of took advantage of that. You know what I mean? The second time it was like the person was, uh, it was, this girl was high when she did it. And like, she kept, uh, I kept saying like, I felt uncomfortable because it was my first time ever being sexual since like being abused and stuff as a kid. So I kept saying I felt uncomfortable and she just kept not listening. She started like grabbing my dick. And luckily her friend opened the door to see what was going on. And I just like ran out of there because it could have gone on for a while. Cause I had no way of like, you know, feeling like I could stop it. You know what I mean? Cause that's how like your brain kind of gets in that moment. I think that's one of those cases. I, th- I think there's a lot of things we don't talk about when it comes to being a survivor. Sorry if I'm rambling, man. I no, ramble a lot. No, it's perfectly fine. I think that one problem we have with the way we talk about sexual abuse is there's not enough emphasis on the victim receiving proper support and treatment after the fact. I feel like so much of it is focused on just blaming a perpetrator for something they did when in reality, I don't feel like the second time the girl was entirely the type to do that sort of thing for any power motive, like typical um, abusers would. I think she just was simply not listening to me saying no, because a lot of people don't have a good grasp of like what consent means because our sex education's flawed in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of misconceptions about whether a guy's allowed to say no. Right. You know, because we assume that guys will never really say no because that's all they want. You know what I mean? Right. There's also like the whole thing of how if uh, a guy and a girl are, you know, they're going, they're doing sexual advances and then the girl says, no, I don't feel comfortable yet. And, and the guy says, okay, that's fine. It seems as normal, right? Yep. But then if it's the other way around, if the guy says, I don't feel comfortable, it's all of a sudden he doesn't love the girl anymore or he, uh, he isn't attracted to her. You know, he, maybe he's gay or there's just mm-hmm. all these different things when it's just not accepted that maybe he's just not ready. Well, and part of the reason for that too is because we have this misconception about men that 
they shouldn't really have to set emotional boundaries because we aren't prone to emotion, Yeah, which is kind of messed up because it can lead to a lot of hurt going on for a lot of different types of men, you know? No, for sure. That's uh, one of the biggest problems that I've seemed to be addressing almost every episode. It's just the huge disproportion with male suicide rates of how it's like for every, I think, three men, it's one woman. And it's just crazy. And part of that is, like you said, I think it's because like it's almost talked about how men, quote unquote, don't have emotions or they're not allowed to feel. And then all these other things come from that. I feel like a big pot. I haven't done my research, but I feel like one of the big parts of like a male suicide rating would also have to be with like LGBTQ plus men. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because I feel like there's a chance that like a lot of guys might feel kind of ostracized from uh, other men because of like society's expectations on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. My uh, last episode, I had a, I was talking with another guy, Christian Lopez, and we got to a similar topic just like right now where we were saying how it's almost as if gay women, they're fetishized. And then it's almost gay men are seen as trash almost by society. And it's just this unfair expectation, Mm -hmm. which then for them, it causes them to feel even worse about themselves when they already have like the societal pressure already, like, you know, being gay, then they also have this on top and it just keeps stacking up. And yeah, there's just all these big problems Mm -hmm. and there's nowhere to talk about them. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a shame because like, it's, it's like I said earlier, I feel like a lot of, um, there's a lot of publications on the internet that I feel like a kind of almost predatory towards like young boys. I see a lot of young kids like, you know, being influenced by like these kind of incel forms and all these other things. And it's very harmful to just like have this like perception of yourself that's so negative and believe that like, you know, you have to put on this fake sense of confidence and, you know, have be good enough of a man to be considered like a person of worth and everything else. And that's kind of like, I think it's almost predatory. These people that kind of prey on a lot of these younger boys, like influencing them in that way because they feel bad about themselves and they almost want everyone else to feel bad about themselves. And that like, that kind of scares me because I feel like that, you know, I, I, I see a lot of these uh, kids with incels online and I see nothing, but like, I just wish you would have had like some better role models in your life. You know what I mean? It's just crazy, especially with the internet, how easy it's become to really be able to speak with almost anyone and you don't know anything about them other than their screen name, right? Mm-hmm. And then also with, at least I personally think Twitter is the worst culprit of this, but then uh, this ban- bandwagon of hate almost, right? Where before there used to be like this, uh, the people with like the conspiracies and the hateful people like that, they used to be like the crazy, the crazy uncle that lives down your street, right? Yep. But now it seems to be because, especially because Twitter with the whole hashtags going trending, they kind of bandwagon on top of each other and just spreads more and more hate into this world when that's not at all what we need right now. We need a lot less of it. They have a whole platform for it, you know? Yeah. It's scary too, because like uh, there's a whole, like when I was a kid, for example, I, 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 I saw this girl post this thing that said, uh, it was like just girly things when you're wearing matching outfits with your friends. I don't know how old you are if you remember <laughs> those memes, but they were around when I was a kid. That's what we called memes for anybody listening. And yeah, it was like uh, the whole, I, I think I remember like I commented like a picture of the KKK under it just because I thought it was stupid and I was 13. 
I would be canceled for that nowadays. You know what I mean? But in reality, like, you know, I'm telling people a story. It's like, that was a 13 year old kid being stupid. But now these kids are posting online and going viral for things that like they really shouldn't be going viral for. And I feel kind of bad for these kids that are influenced by a lot of these like negative male influences who kind of see, you know, um, see themselves in like a negative light because like, they put this version of themselves out on the internet and then like just uh, don't really get a chance to like just kind of be the kids they were supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like the internet is forcing children to grow up much faster than they really would have to because of the problems that would happen to them later on in their lives. Absolutely. How global everything is on the internet. I have this weird theory that like every guy is an incel for like a very small period of time. Like when I, when I was like uh, 15 or something, I was, I remember like being in the shower and just having this like light bulb go off in my head. It was probably more like a fat looking back on it, you know? But uh, I was like, yeah, women only date guys who treat them like shit. And because I treat women so nice, I will never get a girlfriend. And three days later, I was like, this is stupid. But that was like my thoughts for three days. We didn't have like incel forms back then. You know, we didn't have like any of that stuff. And now these kids are getting like roped in because they have those thoughts for a few days. And then they have like a whole internet to just like explore that sort of thing on it. People just never grew out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think like you're saying, a huge reason why I think a lot of guys do think that is because uh, so many times you'll hear in songs or on TV or in movies or in the media, the whole phrase, nice guys finish last, you know, Mm -hmm. it's been popularized since, I don't know, at least early 2000s, if not earlier. Yep. And that's for sure another reason luckily like 10 12 years ago because social media wasn't as big it was probably easier to kind of get away from that thought but now with it all in media and also social media just creates this huge like almost just hateful circle yep where everyone keeps saying these things when in reality it's just not true and a lot of these like unhealthy male stereotypes are like uh portrayed by the media and everything else one one thing that really bothered me on the topics of sexual abuse right is um I don't know if you remember GTA 5. I like yeah. that game. I played that game. Well, actually, I, I don't like it for different reasons. Not because of this. I just don't think it's very fun. But um, mm-hmm. there's this character in it, Trevor. And everybody's, like, criticizing the game because you can punch women. That was, like, the whole criticism on everybody's minds. Even though you can, like, punch guys, too, on it. What really freaked me out was that one of the characters, uh, Trevor, sexually assaults this guy. And it's just played off as a joke. There's like a little cutscene because there's a feature in the video game where you can switch to him and you switch to him. And then like, he's basically in bed with this guy and then he's like crying. Oh, wow. You know, I, pl- I played the game and I just I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that. It's because nobody made a big deal about it. And because they played it off as a joke. So nobody really talked about it. You know what I mean? I remember watching that and being like triggered every time. You know, right. That's a huge thing. No, the only time I ever remember, actually, you just reminded me it was uh, one of my questions I want to ask you was exactly that. And the only time I ever remember sexual assault in men not being played for jokes was in Shawshank Redemption. I haven't even seen that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, in in the movie, the main character, uh, uh, Andy Dufresne, he he goes to prison and there's a scene where he gets crowded in. He gets crowded by a group of men in the bathroom and they sexually abuse, sexually abuse him. Mm-hmm. And it's played 100% for like seriousness, you know, like it shows just like one of the hardships of going to prison because that's part of the movie, right? But almost every other movie I've ever seen, it's always played for laughs. Yep. Always kind of a joke, you know, it's because it never happens. It's not supposed to happen, you know, because it doesn't fit an archetype of this indestructible man who can't have boundaries and can't have emotions. 
the fact that it's always played for laughs just keeps on it just keeps bringing on these stereotypes and this the second we start to really break down even just one of the stereotypes it slowly breaks down everything else as well yep which hopefully we can slowly but surely do it person by person until it reaches a global thing what do you think about feminism i like feminism yeah i me personally i'm a hundred percent a true feminist you know mm-hmm. i just i think there are many people that then took the word feminism and then changed it into misandry and then mm-hmm. I get that. They disguise themselves as feminists when in reality they're not, right? And I, I find there's just a huge disproportion. They, and also those people tend to be really loud. And that's when people are like, I'm against feminism when, you know, it's just like yeah. feminism at its core is bringing equality to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's personally what I believe in. And it's a shame that it gets overshadowed by people like that. Like I've seen, because uh, yeah. there's like the, the worst types of feminists you see are these like trans exclusionary, sex work exclusionary, racist feminists. Like, uh, do you remember BuzzFeed's like manspreading laws? Sorry, manspreading videos. Fact check me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure those led to actual laws on the New York state subway that led to racial profiling. You know what I mean? And that's where, like, like I have a friend, she's, um, she's this indigenous woman, like very awesome feminist. And she's very tired of like white women's influence in feminism in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? But again, like, I don't really speak on, I consider myself an ally to the feminist movement because in truth, I feel like too many guys kind of like take, you know, being a feminist as an excuse to kind of empower themselves. When really we aren't like empowering ourselves and calling each other out for our own stuff we could be accountable for. You know what I mean? We're really just trying to focus on issues that have like nothing to do with us that women are handling perfectly fine because they've given themselves a platform to do it. Mm -hmm. We haven't been able to give ourselves a healthy platform to do it. You know, it's a problem. Right. That's uh, hopefully what this can be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, my personal philosophy is when I meet someone, you're over here and then you do something bad, you go down, you do something good, you go up. Like, I I don't care what you, you know, it's just who you are as a person. You know, if you all of a sudden I just see you start spreading hate for no reason, I'm going to like you less. You know, if you, if I see you're making fun of this person or if you're degrading that person, you know, no matter who you are, you're just going to go down. I I don't care, you know, what your features are. It's just what you do as a person. That's my philosophy, at least. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's um, because there's a lot of people I feel like who, uh, speaking of being like a survivor of sexual abuse, I feel like people claim to be an ally to survivors without really practicing true allyship. It's, it's kind of ridiculous to me because it's like I see so many people, you'll talk about your situation and everyone will be like, oh, I support you 100%, nah, nah, nah. But then a lot of like this, the struggle of being a survivor happens after the fact, living in a society that kind of isn't a good place to be a survivor of a sexual, sexual abuse. And whenever you see like someone making some really gaslighting comment, I was, I was talking to my stream about this. I remember being in a stream and somebody literally just said they were just trolling and stuff. They literally say to me like, uh, Why do you keep claiming that you were assaulted? Did you just get get triggered because a girl touched you? And, you know, I wasn't bothered by that because I've heard that kind of stuff for years. I've done my research on it. What bothered me was that nobody responded to that. Everybody just kind of went quiet. And like a bunch of people will say like, oh, we're an ally. We, We support you, but don't really like support you in those moments. And that's where like a lot of the trust kind of like falters with a lot of people, you know, if that makes sense. 
No, yeah. Like, it's almost as if they're part, not necessarily, not necessarily they're part of the problem, but like, they're not, tr- they're not trying to make any better, you know? The bystanders, you know? They're just kind of, yeah, they're just kind of letting it happen. It's the whole thing of how, it, like you said, if you're a bystander to bullying, mm-hmm. you're kind of the, you're not the bully, but like, you're not, not the bully, you know? If, if I was about to tell my fans like, hey, attack the, you know, if my fans were like going and doxing your address or something when you own a podcast and I didn't say nothing, then it's kind of concerning. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were like, we're doxing this guy's address, Dixie. And I, and I say nothing to defame it. Like that's, that's kind of an issue, you know? Yeah. And there's also the whole issue of, you know, in general, just the group of people, like when they go do that, you know, like yep. it's almost as if people are start trying to kind of take the justice system into their own hand. Yep. And they're not really giving people a fair trial. Yeah, no, I can kind of agree with that. I think that it's like, it's so complicated, right? Because like- it's so complicated because like the likelihood of someone lying about sexual abuse is like so low. Right. Like even lower than our statistics. I did a whole video on it. Like it's because the FBI and their statistics includes uh, reports that were considered like basically if the investigator didn't consider it sexual abuse, which I don't really trust an investigator to like <laughs> judge that. I trust the psychologist. Then it's not sexual abuse and it's considered a false report. So it's like the numbers are very low. And yet when it happens, it's like so harmful for people, but people's ways of handling this situation is not delicate at all. Like, I feel like we're not allowed to investigate what's going on. But in that same vein, there's a lot of people who become really interested in investigating what's going on at the expense of someone who's most likely a victim, because it's not likely that someone would lie about their story. And this person gets called a liar by people who just don't do any of the footwork and just assume they're lying. Like yeah. there's a, and it, it hurts too though, when people just immediately assume something without fact checking or anything else. And I think it's okay to just kind of like do keep your opinions private about something if you don't know the entire story. And then once you know the entire story, you just kind of piece it together, you know? And I think that's a lot of problems I've seen recently because I've seen a lot of stuff come up recently. And some of it was a little more questionable than others. But, you know, there's a lot of times where uh, there's just really not that much evidence being pointed in one direction or the other. And then people just kind of jump on it. And then it makes us all look ridiculous when it turns out that person wasn't doing anything wrong and someone lied about it. Yeah. And it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's like it overshadows like 10 stories that are going to not be believed because somebody decided to make up a lie, you know? Yeah. Sorry, this is a little deep. I, I, I done a lot of therapy, so I know a lot about this stuff. <laughs> no, that's exactly, yeah, I know that's exactly what this is for. I, 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 like, I'd rather that. <laughs> it's good. And kind of going along the same topic, do you think like, do you think more men would actually if sexual abuse in men was a more talked about issue, do you think more men would, would actually realize, wait, I've been sexually assaulted? And, or on the other hand, they know they've been sexually assaulted, but they'd be more comfortable sharing it. Cause like, since we've, t- since it's been talked about more, it's like less seen as kind of a, a cowardly move to Absolutely. kind of say it's happened to Everyone you. is, has been so surprised because of the Me Too movement of like how many people come forward about their sexual abuse. And in reality, this has existed all the same time. You know, it's never changed the amount of sexual abuse that happens. It's that people are more aware of it now. Like when I have talked about like how grooming works and stuff, when I talk about my experience, I get a bunch of people who start feeling more comfortable with I, I get DMs all the time saying like I was able to kind of figure out what happened to me sticks and I'm going to therapy and if we could just like stop 
just dancing around the topic and feeling weird about it, a lot more people would be getting the help they need, you know? Yeah. And especially for men when it's like, it's considered like taboo if it happens to like a guy, you know? Yeah. Do you also think like one of the reasons why it maybe is considered taboo is because all the like the sexual assault agencies, I guess you would call it. I don't know what you would really call it, but those places, they're, they're more, uh, they more like cater towards women and they don't, they, you know, they, they say like women sexual assault, like association or, or, or whatever, like there isn't really one for men. Do you think that's another one of the reasons why it's so taboo? See, is the thing is like, I think, and, and people are going to hate me for this, but I think a lot of the reason why it's so taboo is because, and women do this too, but a lot of men reinforce that it should be taboo because they don't want to admit it would happen to them. A lot of them, I've told other men my story and a lot of them started to kind of alienate me from a lot of friend groups because they don't want to realize that that could be them even if it never happened to them they don't want to even think about that that could happen to them you know and in terms of like there being organizations for women as much as like they I, I feel like there could be more organizations that catered to like men who are survivors of sexual abuse I do feel like it's a very big problem that women go through on like a massive scale to the point where it's like terrifying to me and I I think even if like there's a lot of men who probably repress their stories, there is countless amounts of women who go through it. And there needs to be kind of like specialized resources that like pertain to that because it's it's very different from what men go through with sexual abuse. And it's, you know, it, for that reason, you know, do I feel like we got to like, but I do feel like we could have more organizations that like help male survivors. I just don't think any of those other organizations are doing anything wrong by helping like female survivors. You know what I mean? Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. I just mean like, I think what's wrong is the fact that, like you said, there aren't enough for men, which, which makes yeah. them more taboo and then makes them more like having no organizations kind of make it more hidden. And or I feel like at least some of these organizations could just maybe specify more that like, yeah, we cater to men too. Your story is real because a lot of men mm-hmm. are not likely to believe that it would be real to them. And I feel like if they could do a better job making that more apparent, a lot more people get the help they need in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, sharing your sharing your story on social media, do you feel like you got treated differently for being a male survivor rather than if you were a female survivor? Honestly, what was really surprising was how well everyone treated it. I can't say the same for a lot of women I've seen share their story. And it's, I think part of that has to do with the fact that I didn't name anyone, you know, but I feel like immediately when a lot more women started sharing their story, everybody tried portraying them as like a liar. And I never really got the end of that, which I think is kind of weird because like I, I, in my own experience in my personal life, like people have been really like, you know, very skeptical of me a lot of times. And I've dealt with a lot of the stuff that I see like women going through on TikTok right now. But overall, like, I don't know, I, I, it's like, I almost wish that it had been a worst like experience just so I could kind of show people some of the issues that I went through in my personal life with it. But I'm happy that it didn't, if that makes sense, because everybody was really like nice about it, you know, like from an objective standpoint, I'm like, I kind of wish I could like show people what it looks like, but I'm happy that it's not because I think it sets a good example. I just wish like some other people's stories were treated with that same kind of, because I know people who didn't even release the name of their abuser and everybody just kind of hated on them. And it just kind of uh, upsets me, you know? 
that like because their story is really no different than mine you know what i mean yeah you were saying how in person you got kind of treated a lot differently than you did online what are like some of those examples just a lot of people uh denying it i lost my whole friend group because they didn't want to believe me they wanted to side with the abuser you know whenever i'd approach women about the topic i you're not gonna be able to see my face in the podcast but it's like they give me this face where they just look like and i don't think they mean to do it in a kind of sending way but they just look confused and they're like how you know which isn't like the most delicate way to handle a situation you know what i mean it's not the most like because like i feel like a lot of times and that could just be my own experience like i don't i don't like talking about my own experiences with how other people handled it because i can't like speak for everyone else but that was a lot of my own experience and it was just kind of weird how it was handled like it just didn't feel right i sense like doubt and just kind of like disbelief but it's because like that's what we need to start doing more is talking about how it's uncomfortable but it happens you know even if it doesn't happen on as wide of a scale as it happens to women it's still important to talk about for those people that it does happen to you know what i mean it, it for sure still happens and i don't think i think like we were talking before not many men almost realize that it has happened to them because of how hidden it really is absolutely we kind of hit on it, but like, why do you really think that men don't feel comfortable talking about this? I think for a lot of reasons, if if I'm going off of like personal feelings, like bringing me back, I felt like I had like not become a man, how I had like lost my manhood um, as a survivor. How I like couldn't be one of the guys anymore. I still have trouble making friends with other men, you know, or trusting other men for that reason, just kind of feeling like I've betrayed something, you know what I mean? Which is like ridiculous. And this is just my own experience. I think if I'm talking about it objectively from just what I see is that like, you know, a lot of men just don't, it breaks down this narrative we've been taught our entire lives that we're just these kind of indestructible things that aren't supposed to feel emotion. And sexual assault is purely an emotional reaction from like your point of view. It's you didn't like something that happened. You know, of course, like a perpetrator does their own actions, but your own reaction to it is like your own emotions processing what happened. And we aren't allowed to believe we have emotions. So we're encouraged to just kind of like bury it. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, I, I'm lucky I, I haven't really gone through anything like that. So I'm just so incredibly sorry that you have in general. No, it's okay, man. I'm happy you didn't go through nothing like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't want anyone to go through it, but mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah. So you you were saying how you kind of don't trust men any almost right men anymore. Yeah. Would you say so? Like now, most of your fr- friend group is like females almost now. I just yeah, I just tend to trust women more than men, and it's like a, it's not like something I where I think like men are bad. It's just like. And I've, I've sort of been that way. Like I always like gravitated towards having women as friends, but after that whole situation, it just kind of changed the, like, I always felt kind of like really weird around men. And I felt more of this kind of like competitiveness. And like, if we're talking about toxic masculinity, it's hard to kind of like gauge what it was for me. Cause I also like was in a lot of situations where I was out on the streets and stuff. Like I'm, I'm a little bit gangsta and it's like, so it's like a lot of those situations, like I was kind I kind of had to be a tough guy, but I can't help but think that maybe some of that also had to do with this sort of compensation for something that I felt like I had to compensate for, which was my emotions on that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. In like my last episode also, we, were, we talked about uh, very similar about how uh, like a lot of times men 
feel like they're not men because they're not macho or because they're not they don't look a certain way or because of all these different things and then they try to almost fake all these things because they were taught that's what a man is when in reality Mm -hmm. a man is just who you are yep you know being true to yourself i was a career criminal by the time I was 18. And I can't help but feel like a lot of, because a lot of that had to do with like certain other factors in my environment, all these other things. But I can't help but feel like a lot of that had to do with that sort of need to like put things on until it actually became real. And that's why like I was a pretty smart kid working in the trades for the longest time and just like drinking so much was because I didn't feel like I had, you know, just the right to do anything else, you know? And now it's like I with therapy, it's like, as you can see, I make TikToks and I like, you know, play video games and play ukulele for a living. It's nice, you know? What do you think this change happened? How do I think it happened? I think it was a lot of just time and just a lot of therapy. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I remember even on TikTok, I, I felt weird about posting anything that was kind of uh, remotely serious because I always had to hide behind this like veil of irony online. And now it's like I can make, excuse me, like informative videos talking about things. I'm not constantly trying to like portray myself in this way that's like super masculine. And I just feel better about myself and more free and more like a man than I ever have. Why do you think men don't feel comfortable talking about these experiences? A lot of men feel like there's this sort of... uh, it's like they're not allowed to break this sort of like the the problem is is that like the problem is that our whole lives we've been told that we're these like indestructible sort of beings that can never fall apart, can never show emotion. And yet we that changes when we start feeling very strong emotions about abuse. Yeah. So I really think the best way to really go around this whole thing is obviously if slowly as society, we kind of learn to start accepting that men can obviously, you know, have like Mm -hmm. emotions and they do experience these problems too. But not only that, just kind of teach the children and the younger generation uh, against that, right? Yeah. Like we obviously were all brought up with that whole thought and just breaking it down from the start. Well, that's, uh, that's already a huge step that that'll take time. It'll take a lot of time and also awareness. Absolutely. Uh, Hopefully we can together, all of us, you know, just kind of uh, fight through it and really bring it up to speed. Absolutely. See, I feel like one strength that I'll give a lot more women that I feel like a lot more men don't have is that there are two things. is like they're more willing to call each other out for each other's bad behavior a lot of the time from what I've seen. And they're more open to like there being women being able to do different types of things. Because I feel like a lot of arguments I see against feminism come from like this sort of toxic group of men that seem to always try and dominate the conversation about things is that is like, you know, we have like biological instincts that make us the way we are. Um, We're not worth anything if we haven't slept with enough girls. We, uh, you know, need to be like a real man. Don't let, you know, your kids touch the AC. Don't eat like, uh, you know, well done steak. A rare steak because I forget if it's well done or rare that's supposed to make you like more manly well done or something. Is, yeah, because well done's like too cooked. I get you. Yeah, I so you're supposed I'm to pretty have, sure it's well done, but yeah. So you're supposed to have steak like cooked wrong. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's like just that kind of stuff. And meanwhile, like women are able like criticize like each other's bad behavior a lot of the time in like this sort of new wave of feminism that's been taken over. I've seen a lot of women be able to call each other out and say like, "Hey, that's not right." And they're also able to like embrace like all different types of women. And meanwhile, we just spend a lot of our time putting each other down. 
and we build like a culture around that of just kind of bullying each other and putting each other down. And it's like, it seems like it's kind of harmless and it's just character building until you realize like the psychological effects that could have on someone always being in a competition with everyone else. You know what I mean? It just doesn't lead you to being your best self and pursuing your best interests. Yeah, for sure. It's just this huge competition with everyone. You're always trying to one up each other. You're always trying to be better than the other person when everyone can just like, you know, be because everyone's obviously good at whatever they're good at. You know, you don't have to be good at everything. Yep to really be a man, you know, like, and they can't like allow themselves to really, you know, excel at what they're good at and let someone else excel at what they're good at. You know, you don't have to be good at everything to be a man. You, Mm -hmm. you can have your emotions, you can have your strengths, you can, you can be whoever you want and you're still in all a man, you know? Yep. I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of men are facing right now, especially a lot of men who like really don't like feminism is that our whole lives, we've kind of been like brainwashed into this, like, system of complete patriarchy that's been going on for like a very long time and you know back in like the 1950s it was like the perfect scenario where it's like the guy goes to work and like the woman like stays at home and cooks and cleans it was like in a, just basically a slightly more technologically advanced version of like a supposed biological instincts of us being the hunters and women being the gatherers but in truth like in our society today we have women doing all sorts of things that they weren't allowed to do we have women who are single mothers who are supporting themselves better than a lot of men could support them and now a lot of these men are kind of sitting here like wondering what are we gonna do you know what I mean? Because it just doesn't make sense anymore. They're like, just being, you know, a macho man all the time doesn't land you a job and it doesn't like land you in a good school. You know what I mean? It's like things have kind of changed, you know, like the, like what I'm trying to say is like the category, the, the ways that you're supposed to like do well in society in a lot of ways, in some ways nowadays, they don't really work in terms of like just being like this, like, macho man for the patriarchy you know what i mean yeah it just doesn't work anymore and it's like we that's why we got to be more open to doing different things your first point how you were saying uh many men are kind of like they they like they don't like feminism and i think a lot of that is partially of what you're saying and also another reason is because i think a lot of men don't understand like don't really know the true meaning of feminism right i think if a lot of men like they knew what the true meaning were, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be so against it. You know, they would be for it if it had like, they knew what the true meaning of it were. Because obviously there's extremists on all sides. There's extremists to everything, right? Where they take whatever the philosophy is for whatever, and then just kind of put it to extreme. But there's still like the core ideology. I just think that overall, uh, guys, let's just be, let's just support and uplift each other in a way that doesn't uh, bring anyone else down. Because we're stronger by doing that. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, you know, to see like how, we started off talking about like, you know, sexual abuse in men. And then we like, like ended up on these different topics. It really just shows how all of it is connected to each other. You know, it, it really does all go back to the same top issue, which then kind of broke down to branches of different issues, which then became almost more prevalent in some cases. Absolutely. So it's just interesting to see it because a lot of times it tends to always come back at the end to the same issue. Absolutely. Because it's all what's driving all the issues that exist. You know what I mean? And that was our conversation. I hope you enjoyed and either learned a couple new things or maybe it brought your attention to some problems you didn't even really know could have happened. It really is a hard topic and I'm really thankful that Stixie took time out of his day to really sit down with me and talked about how it is to be a male survivor. As always, if you have a problem, just DM me on either Instagram or Twitter at ForTheBoys underscore pod. 
and we'll talk it through in a Zoom call and really discuss what the problem is and how we can come to solution together, which will hopefully not only help you come to solution, but it'll make all of us realize that we all have such similar problems and we're not alone in this world. For updates about the show, don't forget to follow me there as well. And if you liked today's episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it or followed us wherever you're listening to this from. This is Aiden. Have a great day. Bye.